Welcome to Live Daf, your online Daf Yomi Shir. Shalom Aleichem, welcome back to today's Daf Yemi, which is Maseches Chagiga Daf Yud Aleph. We are holding out the two dots, which are 12 lines from the top of the Amit. Mikra Muat Valachis Merubais. In the Mishnah, we learned that there are some topics in Torah which are barely discussed in Torah Shibachsav based on very few psukim. Rather, they are, they are expounded upon and explained in great detail in the Torah Shabalpeh. Mikra Muat Valachis Merubais. We have a Brisa, Tana, that added another couple of topics to the list. Negoim Bahalais. The various halachis of nega, of tumah regarding them, a halim of tumah, being under the same roof with something which is tummy, all those details, all those halachis, are also based on very few psukim. They are barely sourced in the Torah itself. Mikra muat v'halachis merubais asks the Gemara, "What do you mean negaim? Negaim? We have two full parshias speaking about negaim." Tazriya Mitzayra, Mikra Muat, what do you mean? Barely mentioned in the Psukim. Negoim Mikra Merubu. We have lots of Psukim discussing all the various details. And Allah is of Negoim. What do you mean it's Mikra Muat? Amar Papa Hachika Amar, the Brysa meant as follows. When it comes to Negoim, the Brysa made a, a contrast, a comparison. On the one hand, we have Negoim, which is certainly based extensively on the Torah Shibach Sab, Mikra Merubu, lots of Psukim. Discussing that topic. Relative to the amount of psukim, there are only very few halachas that are handed down outside the psukim, in addition to the psukim through Torah Shabalpeh. As opposed to a halachas, when it comes to halachas of Tumah Vatahara, there is the other way around. Barely mentioned in the psukim, barely sourced in the Torah Shabachsav, Mikramut, Vahalachas, but those details, all those various halachas of Tumah. Now, what's the point of discussing this? Why present this riddle? This is a little halacha and a lot of psukim. This is the, what's the point of knowing this? There is a point. Suppose you have a suffolk when it comes to a halacha pertaining to a nega. You're not sure what to do. Where do you go looking? Go to the psukim. You'll surely find the answer there. Analyze the psukim. Because Negoim are extensively sourced in Torah Shibach Sav, as opposed to Halachas of Tumah. Vimestapkaloch, Milsa Beholis. If you have any certain, any uncertainty when it comes to Aholis, where do you look? Go to the Mishnahis. Ayn Bimas Nisan, where you'll surely find the answer to your question. There's a question of where to send you when you have a suffix. By Negoim, open a Chumash, you'll find the answer. By Halachas Tumah Vatahara, go to Mishnahis, where most of the Halachas are detailed. And the mission ended with a final list of five items. Dinin, concerning monetary matters. Ha'avoides, concerning karbonis matters. Ha'taharais, va'atumais, va'arayis. All these things are, are mentioned pretty extensively in the Chumashim. Yeshlehen, amashi ismeichu. They have what to lean on. They're extensively sourced in the Psukim. Ve'heinin gufeter. Now, when you say that these things have what to rely on, you're basically indicating, sure, there are a lot of psukim discussing them, but the psukim don't take you to the finish line. There are some things which are not clear in the psukim. You're relying on the psukim, you're basing it on the psukim, but you need that further 
elaboration of Torah Shabbat Now what's unclear about these halachas? Asks the Gemara Dinin, Mikhtav Ksivan, take a look at Parshas uh, Mishpatim, everything is there, the Ganav and the Gaz, all the various financial commitments and obligations are all listed in the Torah. What's missing? Why do you say it has what to lean on? indicating that it's not all clear from the Pesukim. Like Nitzrucha, apparently the Mishnah is only speaking about certain things that are not clear in the Pesukim. Look at the Rebbe, for instance, the Allah presented by Rebbe, the Sanya, Rebbe Oyman. Nefesh tachas nefesh. The Pesukim speaks about a person striking a woman and bringing about her death, and it was inadvertent, it was Meshayik. We take his life in exchange for the life that was lost. Nefesh tachas nefesh. But we learn through Torah Shabbat Peh, doesn't mean literally take a life for a life. Mummy. He has to pay the value of the nefesh that he killed. Market value, as though uh, the nefesh would have been sold as a slave. That's how we determine value in the Torah. That's what he's chayv to pay. You maintain it's just money. Perhaps it means literally take his life in exchange for the other life. To dispel that notion. We have the Lashon and the Sina down here at the end of the parasha. V'nasata nefesh tachas nefesh. V'nemra nesina lamala. And we have upstairs at the beginning of the parasha, a case where he brought about a premature birth, a miscarriage, and the Pasuk says, V'nasam b'flilim, he hands over payment. So we see Nesina associated with monetary payment. We make that connection down here as well. Mala halan mamen. Just as over there, Nesina pertains to handing over money Afkan Mamain likewise over here Vanasata Nevish Tachas Navish means he gives it over. Doesn't give over his life, he gives over money as payment for the lost Nevish. Here's an example of Ahalacha that's not clear from the Pasak itself. It's based on Xerashava. Tarashabal Peh, but it has what to rely on. It's based on the Psuk. Avoidis, the various halachas pertaining to Karbanis. There's lots of sourcing for that, lots of psukim, which form the basis and support for those halachis. Once again, the same kasha. You're relying on the psukim, it's all in the psukim, it's all clearly detailed. Apparently, this concept is only pertaining to some halachis which should not, you would not see from the psukim directly. For instance, how do we know there's an avoider called haylacha? We know about shrita. We know about Kabbalah Saddam by Karbonis. We know about Zrika on the Mizbech. What about the concept of Haylach? That transporting the Dam to the Mizbech is one of those elements of carbon. Is an aspect of Avoid. And a coin is needed. Big Dekuhuna are needed. Klei Shores, etc. Perhaps you can think that, uh, you know, <laughs> Haylach is not necessarily, not necessarily necessary. You can do the Shechita Rax to the Mizbech and avoid transporting the Dam to the Mizbech. So where do we find that Halacha indeed is considered a proper avoider? The Sanya, as we learned at the price, through a drasha. Pasuk says that the Kayin, or the Israel does the Shechita on the carbon, and then it says, V'yikrivu b'nei Aroin ha-kayhanam m'sadam v'zarko sadam ala Mizbech sabe. Right? So what does V'yikrivu mean? First Shechita, then V'yikrivu. Evidently, it's receiving the dam, which is the ma'aseh you do right after shechita. Vikrivu, although vikrivu literally means they brought close, they transported, they brought near, near the mizbeach. But apparently it's not 
speaking about that because after Shechita, you can't just take the dam to the Mizbech without first receiving it in a, a klisharis. The Yikribu is a Kabbalah Saddam. Speaking about being a Kabbalah Saddam. So why then did the Pasuk choose to describe Kabbalah using a term of the Yikribu, which sounds like you're transporting, bringing closer to the Mizbech. The Afka Rahman of Lashon HaLacha expressed Kabbalah using language of Hoi Lacha instead of just saying V'yikabu, it says V'yikrivu, which is a lotion of bringing over, transporting. Tehseb, what do you find? V'yikrivu is referring to Hoylacha. V'yikrivu ha-koyin es-ha-koyl, v'yikdam es-beich v'amamar. We learned, what does V'yikrivu ha-koyin mean? Zu Hoylacha, sevarim l'kevish, when the coin transports the parts of the carbon to the ramp of the mezbeach. So by choosing to use this uh, this term, v'yikrivu, to describe Kabbalah, the term in effect is telling us there's something more to just to just receiving the dam. Lememer the haylach, to inform you that transporting haylach of dam to mezbeach is something of importance. Loitafka miklal Kabbalah, don't extract it, don't, actually, don't separate it, don't um, play it down. Don't take it away from the Kabbalah. Meaning, just like Kabbalah is, a, is an Avoidah, likewise, Hoylacha is also considered Avoidah. It's considered on the same level as Kabbalah. And therefore, it needs all the Halachas of Hakrava, Nirakayin, Bigdekuhuna, etc. So here's another example of something which is known to all. Today it is because of Teresh Shabal Peh, but it's not clearly expressed in the Pesukim. Taharis, all the halachas of Tahara had to become Tar. There again, Mechtav Ksiban, it's all in the Psukim. Why do we say Yeshlen al Mashi Smeicha? We can lean, we can support ourselves through Psukim. It's in the Psukim, it's clearly detailed. Apparently, we're speaking about certain specific details. For instance, El Alashir Mikvah. How large is a Mikvah? There's no Pasuk about it. We know it through Torah Shabbat Peh, which is based on a Pasuk. It's not uh, clearly written in the Tanya. He's meant to rinse himself in water. He's meant to be toivel in water. Bamaim, very specific type of water. A gather, a natural gathering of water as opposed to water which was hand-drawn and brought over here. Bimei mikvah. A natural gathering of water. The continues, it's called basari. He needs to affect his entire flesh. We learn from here that the mikvah needs to be large enough to accommodate the entire person. How large a space is that? Three amas high. That's the dimensions of a person. Taisa says that really a person is four amas high, including his head. So when he goes into this mikvah, that's really three amas high, he forces up the water, which covers up his head as well. Okay, so we know the area has to encompass one by one, three high. How much water? V'shiyaru chacham, chacham estimated. The volume of water needed to fill up this hole, may mikvah is abar imsa, and that's how we uh, do today. Forty sa is considered a mikvah. Tumais, all the halachas of tumais, mikhtav ksivan. Here as well, it's clearly detailed. Look at all the silken that discussed tumah v'tahar. L'nitzruch, apparently we're speaking about a very specific halacha which was presented by Torah Shabbat Ella like the fact that 
the minimum uh, requirement, the minimum uh, amount of sherets that you need to touch to become tummy is kadosha, a lentil size, lentil sized portion of a of a creature that is matame person, that is Tershabal Pep, and not clearly detailed in Tershab except the Sanya. Bohem, when one comes into contact with a, a lizard or a turtle, all these creatures, he becomes Tame. Bohem. Yochabakulam, perhaps you have to touch the entire entire creature. Tamalaima mayhem, even a small portion of it. Even if you don't have a big shear, it is metame. And perhaps even a small measure is enough. A small, minute amount. No, the entire thing. So which way is it? Much or little? Okay, so let's strike a compromise. It needs to be a little bit, which is reminiscent of the entire thing, which is which has substance, which has which is substantial as chashivas, as though it's the entire thing. What is that? Shir chacham estimated estimated and concluded. The shear is bekadasha, a lentil-sized portion of a shear is metami. Why adasha? What's the significance of adasha? Shekein choymet. Because if you take a look at this choymet creature, some say it's like a snail, tchilasha bekadasha, it starts off, when it's first formed, it's barely the size of an adasha of a lentil. So it has substance, it has chashivas. This small, minute-sized minute Chaimit, Adasha size, has life to it, and therefore that shear now carries chashivas, it's considered prominent enough that if one was to touch a small shear, kadosh of any sheretz, he gets tummy. Rabbi said, no, because the navhalata needs to be the size of a lizard's tail, as she says. I'll take a look at Rashi, three lines from the bottom. Because the navhalata, the tail of a lizard, What's so special about this tale? Because after it's severed from the, li- the lizard, it still contains some life. It um, jumps around. So you have a small portion of the lizard which sort of has has the life, contains in it a micro of the, of the life of the lizard itself. And it has chashivas, like the lizard itself. So that's sheer is uh, sufficient to uh, transport Tuma to the one who comes into contact with that. So that becomes a sheer Tuma by a Sheretz. So it's either Kadosha, like the Tanakamo, or Rabbi Sabiudah Shita, Kizanav Halato. What about Arayis? Aren't they all expressed in the Pesukim? What's, uh, what's left out? Mikhtav Ksivan. When apparently was speaking about one specific thing. Lebita Manu Sased Leksiva. The daughter of a uh, Anusa, a woman who he was involved with in, in, in an enforced relationship, that uh, daughter, the daughter of that woman, is an erva. But it's not clearly mentioned in Torah. Torah speaks about ervas Isha Obita, daughter of your wife. An Isha is a properly married wife. But an Isha who's an Anusa, what about her daughter? It's not clear in the Pasuk. Rather, it was handed down through Torah Peh, the Amarab. How do we know that Bito Manusasai is an erva? It's Rukzerushaba. So Hina Hina is as follows. Rashi explains that in the Pasuk of Ervas Isha Bita, which discusses the daughter of his married and his wife with whom he's married, we have Lashon Hina. So we know that the daughter is an erva. 
when it comes to the Anusa, we don't find daughter. We find granddaughter. We don't find daughter. But since in that Pasuk, by the Anusa, we have Loshan Hena, we connect it to the Pasuk of Ervas Isha Obita, which has Hena, we say, look, just like by Isha, it's Isha Obita, daughter of one's wife is an Erva. Likewise, by the Anusa as well, a daughter of the Anusa is considered an Erva to this man. So that's Hena Hena. Now, what penalty is applied in this case? What Oynish? Sreifa. Why? Because we find elsewhere by other Erva, Loshan Zima, we find in this case as well, Zima, we connect the two things, we apply Sreifa, the Oynish of burning, to this case as well. So here we go, we have an example of an Erva which is not clear in the Pasuk, rather brought through Teresh Peh. That's what the Mishnah meant. Now the Mishnah ends with the following phrase. Hein hein gufeter. These uh, previously mentioned topics are considered the primary topics of Torah. Hani'in, only these, dinin and uh, tumois and tarois and avoidois and arayt, which are detailed extensively in Torah. Only these are considered important portion of Torah, but not the other ones, Hanach the previous ones, which are barely mentioned in the Torah, which are primarily Torah Shabbat Peh, then are considered primary topics of Torah. How can that be? No, Elohim would rather say like this. The Mishnah is trying to tell us just the opposite. Send a message of, of support to all the topics, the ones that are detailed in the Torah Shabbat Sab, and even those that are not too clear in the Torah, rather... Uh, they're based primarily on Torah Shabbat Peh. Not only are these Gufi Torah, the ones that are mentioned extensively and elaborated upon in Torah Shabbat not only are these Gufi Torah, but even those as well, the previous ones which are basically Torah Shabbat Peh, they are also Gufi Torah, a very important portion of Torah, as, as the Roshanim say, everything was given by Shem Sinai, everything is the word of Hashem, and have no less value than the ones that are uh, detailed in the Torah. Hadr and Lach HaKel Says the Mishnah, Ein Dershin Barayis V'Shlesh. According to the Hav Amin and the Gemara, that's the Rashi learns in the Mishnah, we're not meant to expound upon, explain, and delve into the concept of Arayis V'Shlesh when it's just a total of three people sitting around the table, the speaker one and two listeners. That's too much for such a discussion. The Gemara will explain the reason for this. So when it comes to Arayas, three people, inappropriate. V'loi b'ma'asabereshes refers to uh, the uh, description of events that took place during uh, the Briya Soilam, during the Sheshi Simiya Masa. So getting, to that, getting into that discussion is risky. And it must be kept discreet. It's not meant to be discussed amongst two people. One speaker and one listener. When it comes to Merkava, as small lofty, as uh, describing the, the uh, heavenly realms of the Malachim, etc., even a single person, even one person, individual, should not be learning these things. Unless he really was deep and could relate to these things on his own without outside help. If a person analyzes the following four things, these things are meant to be off-limit, beyond our comprehension. Rosuloi, as she says, Rosu means Lashon of Rachmanus. We have compassion on him, meaning it's to his benefit. It would have been better for him had he not have been born. Rosuloi ki'ilu loy bala ilam. Rather than come here and delve into these um, inappropriate topics. What are these things? Malamala, what's going on above the world? Malamata, what's below? Malafanim, 
what happened before we were created, what's going to happen after the world is removed. These things are beyond our means of understanding. We're not meant to delve into these things. And one who's not careful, he's not respectful. He's not concerned about Hashem's covet. He's using his seichel, which is an expression of Hashem's life, Hashem's chachma. He's misdirecting and applying it to these to these topics. It would have been better if he would have been unborn. Now we have a steer in the Mishnah. Mishnah begins, don't discuss Arayas amongst three people. A total of three people discussion, no good. Master Veracious, don't even have two people talk about it. Merkava, even one person shouldn't be discussing it, even though he doesn't need the outside help. He, uh, he has the proper depth and, and uh, comprehension. He can just relate to these things on his own. He shouldn't be doing it. But then Mishnah continues. Mishnah says, Elim kein maybe Unless he can just figure it out on his own. Well, that's the fellow we're speaking about. One person on his own uh, should not be doing it. Apparently, he doesn't need outside help. He's fully capable on his own. He shouldn't be doing it unless he can do it on his own. Aren't you contradicting yourself? I'm respiration. First, you say, An individual on his own shouldn't be learning Merkava. And then you say, Unless he can figure it out on his own. That's a contradiction. Answers the Gemara. The Mishnah means like this. You're not meant to discuss the sugi of Arayas. Two, three Talmidim. So you have three Talmidim in the classroom. Don't discuss Arayas with them. The reason? We'll see further. But when we speak about numbers, three, two, one, aside from the teacher, Aside from the Rebbe, don't hand over this information to three students, to three listeners. When it comes to Masmerish, don't hand it over to two people. That's too public. It's, it has to stay discreet. These things are lofty things. When it comes to even more esoteric topics, Merkava, heavenly chariot, the Malachim, all that, don't even give it over to a Yachat. You're not meant to discuss it publicly. You're not meant to discuss it out and express it. Even from one person to the other. Elaim Cain, unless this Talmud of yours is fully capable to really figure things out on his own. A slight hint, a subtle comment, he'll get it. That's the way you give over this information, without elaboration, without expounding. That's the way you treat these lofty things. Elaim Cain, Hoyachacham, Umevin Midata. So, bottom line is, we were one off. When the Mishnah gave us the numbers, 3, 2, 1, we thought it meant a total number. Three people being involved, two people being involved, one person being involved. No, we're not speaking about the total number of people involved, rather the listeners. The Rebbe should not be giving over this information to three people, to two people, to one person. When it comes to Merkava, the only way you give it over to one person is if he's capable. If a subtle message, a subtle hint will do the job, but otherwise if it requires... Elaboration, find another Talmud. So why these numbers? You should not be teaching the halachas of Arayas to three people. That's too much. One person, two persons, but not three. My time and why? First thing more figures, perhaps we have a Pasuk, a riot to this. And we dash like this. The Pasuk that speaks about Arayas mentions Ish, Ish, which is tray, two people. 
Sheer Besare, it's another person, Chat. So you have three people total listening to you. Vamrachmana, Lois Sikri will Galas Erev, the Torah says, don't get involved in the discussion of Arayas when you're speaking to three people. So it's a drasha, we don't quite understand the reason, but perhaps that's the source for this concept. Really? Alimiata, if that's the case, what about the next Pasach? We have a Pasach which says, Ish Ish Kilkalalekov. Ish Ish, who will apply a Kol Chasusham to Hashem. Or we have another Pasach which says, Ish Ish, man, man, Ashayiti Mizaralumadach, who engages in this type of, by uh, the Zara type of uh, thing. Hachinami. Are you going to say, well, Ish is one, Ish is another person, and the only way they're guilty of Kilas Alekim, Amalekh, is if it's done by two people together. Really? That's what it means? So you're going to dash an ish, ish, a person, another person, involved together? Just like you said over here by the uh, Pasuk of Arayas. It means, uh, uh, it's referring to the amount of people involved. Ella says the Gemara, it uh, can't be. We, we, we never heard that Yekalul uh, Kav is only if it involves two people, etc. That's not going to work. Ella, rather, Hanoi the term ish, ish, mentioned, and these, uh, these psukim is coming to teach you as follows. To include the guy, to tell us that even a non-Jew is warned, is instructed against applying a bracha to Hashem, this is a euphemism, to apply a curse to Hashem. He's not allowed to do that. Same thing when it comes out with the Zara. He's warned, just like Yisrael is warned. Ish, ish. Not only a yid, even a guy. If that's the case, when it comes to the Pasuk of Arayas as well. It's not coming to tell you how many people should be in the classroom. Rather, that Pasuk is needed to inform us that a guy is also obligated. They're warned against engaging in Arayas, just like we are. So it has nothing to do with how many people are listening. It's coming to tell you something else entirely different. Ella, rather, it's coming from the following Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Ushmartem is mishmarti. Again, we're speaking about Arayas. Ushmartem, Ushmartem is a plural, double lashon, referring to two people. Two students in the classroom. Mishmarti is the third student. Chad. Vamar Rahman the Pasuk says, Keep away, don't teach them halachas in this, in this setting. Don't tell them about the Avedazars, about the Gile Arayas, all these inappropriate things, if there are only three students in the classroom. So perhaps this is the mock if that's the case, what about the Pasuk Dachsib, Ushmartem Asa Shabbos, Ushmartem Asa Matzis, Ushmartem Asa Mishmaris HaKodesh, Hachanami, they as well are going to say, well, um, only two people together have to keep Shabbos, only two people together have to process the Matzis, etc. So apparently we can't dash and Psukim like this. So what then is the reason for the Allah of Ein Dorshan? Barayas Bishlesh, Elam Rav Ashi, I'll tell you the Pshat. I'll tell you why. My endorsement by Arayas Bishloishim. What does the Mishnah mean? We don't discuss Arayas. We don't give that over to three students. Endorsement by Sisrei Arayas Lishloishim. We don't hand over the uh, obscure halachas of Arayas to three people, to three students. Meaning the uh, halachas that we learn from Tarsh Peh. For instance, the example we had before, Bita Manusase. We don't teach these things to to three students at once. Why? It can lead to confusion. My time. Svaro. It, it's plain logic. Listen to this. Betre. When you have two students, Kiyasvi Kamirabai, two Talmudim sitting in front of their Rebbe, 
That poses no danger. Why? Even when one is engaged in discussion with the Rebbe, what's the other fellow doing? He's listening in. He has nobody else to distract him. The other fellow, he's leaning over his hair, ear, the ear, and listening into the conversation to learn. He's not missing any facts. So over there, there's no danger of diversion, of confusion, of omission. But when it comes to Tlasa, when you're teaching to three listeners, here we have a concern. Why? Let's say one fellow raises his hand, starts asking a question, gets into discussion with the Rebbe. What are the other two fellows doing at the same time? They're engaging in discussion, not necessarily paying attention to the conversation going on between the Rebbe and the Talmud. They might miss some important vital facts. Vahanach trained the other fellows, they're having their own personal discussion. Not necessarily are they going to pay attention to what the Rebbe is saying, and perhaps they'll miss an important halach. And they might come to be martyr, to be lenient when it comes to certain isurim by arise. I'll say, look, our Rebbe told us all the halachas, didn't teach us this, because they weren't paying attention at that time. So if it's just one Talmud, fine. Two, no concern. But three, there's a concern about the other Talmudim engaging in their own discussion while the Rebbe is teaching important facts to that single Talmud. If that's the case, why is this exclusive to Arayas? Any Allah has the same concern. They might miss important facts. Big difference. Arayas Shani. It's very different. Here there's a special Yetzirah. The Amar as we learned. Gezel Arayas. When it comes to Gezel, and Arayas, Nafshishal Adam Mecham Dosin. A person has a tremendous desire and a drive for these things. And it appears to him that it's Mutter, he might be moderate. He's more inclined to be lenient when it comes to these things, and the Talmud might come to be moderate, things that he shouldn't be moderate. That's why it's only concerned by Arayas. But what do you mean? Just said Gezel and Arayas go together. Yachi Gezel Nami. When it comes to Halachas of Gzela, we should have the same concern, and we only find by Arayas. Arayas is worse. Arayas poses a greater concern. Arayas, bein befun of whether he's faced with the Arab in his presence, basically befun of whether it's out of sight, it's just a theoretical, academic. Nafish Yitzre. His Yitzre is pretty strong, even at that point. Even while he's discussing and learning, he might be inclined to take the leading path, to be mater, a certain Arab, a certain aspect of Arayas, because he wasn't properly educated by the Rebbe, because he wasn't paying attention as opposed to Gezel, although there's a tremendous Yetzirah when it comes to robbing and stealing and taking, uh, taking money, this um, uh, honest money, but that's only Befonov. When he's faced with it, when he's in its presence, Nafesh Yetzirah is strong, but Shaloi Befonov, but if it's out of sight, when he's in the base measure, he's not faced with it in the head on, Loi Nafesh Yetzirah is not as great, not as strong, in which case, He's not inclined to be mater, halachis, while he's sitting and learning halachis that pertain to gezel. But arayis, yes, and therefore when it comes to arayis, you have to be careful to keep things clear and uh, conveyed in a non-confusing manner. The Mishnah continued, When it comes to discussion of what happened, what transpired during Bria Sa'ilam, discuss it with one Talmud, not two at a time, Keep it discreet. Keep it honorable and respectful. Menana, how do we know this? The Tanar Abon, 
You may ask, you may inquire as to what occurred during, the, during those earlier days. One student, an individual may ask, but not two together. It makes it too much of a scene and casts a disrespectful halo on the topic. Perhaps a person could inquire as to what happened before the world was created as well. No, stop right there. You can start from the day Hashem created the world. That's it. Not past that. Well, when did Hashem create Adam? On day six. Perhaps he can't go back beyond day six. Day one till day six is off limits for us. No, that's okay. You can inquire as to what occurred before Briasa Adam. But that's it. Not past Briasa Adam. Perhaps I would think of so. Yisha, a person can inquire as to what happened, mala mala, what uh, what's going on upstairs, beyond the world, mala mata, beneath the earth, mala fana, mala what happened before, what happened later, what happened before Bria Salem, what's going to happen after uh, the world is taken away. That that's off limits. Tamaloima ulumikzia shemaim batzia shemaim. We learn from here milikzia shemaim batzia shemaim atoshel. You could inquire as to what's going on from one side of the of the sky to the other, within the confines of this universe. Rather than asking about what's going on upstairs, downstairs, in front and behind, whether it means uh, as far as the uh, the space, um, you know, front and beyond and beyond the world, or as far as time, before and after the world. Asks the Gemara. Now, once we have this pasuk, which includes everything, you want to stay within your confines, within your limitations, whether it's uh, space-related or time-related. That's it. Why do we need that first pasuk? That pretty much told us the same thing. The pasuk which said, uh, "Don't ask beyond the world." Once we have that to tell you, keep within your limits. So that other pasuk, why is that needed? Pasuk is pretty much telling us the same thing. As is the Gemara, it's coming to tell you something else. It's coming to tell you what Reb Lezer tells us. Initially, Adam Rishon was a tall, tall uh, creation. He was extended from the earth all the way to the Rakia, all the way to the to the Shemaim. So the Pasuk is referring to when Hashem created Adam, feet on the ground, and extended all the way to the Shemaim. As the Pasuk says, um, So he went all the way from the earth to the Shemaim. That was initially. Once he strayed and he partook in the Eitz Hadas, Hashem placed his hand on him, and as a result of Hashem placing his hands on him, he was reduced and um, came back down to uh, to normal size. Rashi learns that indicates that there were two brios, two yitzirais. Hashem formed them twice. Initially, Tchilo was gavaya, very tall. Ultimately, he shortened him. Okay, let's do a quick chazar of the We had uh, 
a list of, of topics which are based extensively on psukim, but not completely when it comes to uh, dinin. We have a halacha that's not clear in the Pasuk. Nefeshtachas nafesh means moment. When it comes to avoides, we learned that there's something called halachas hadam, which is part of the avoides. That's Tereh Shavar Peh. We learned to shir a mikvah. Tereh Shavar Peh, the shir adosha kesheretz, and bitev and asasev arayos. But of course, as the Gemara concludes, hein vein gufei Torah, whether it's something detailed extensively in Tereh Shavar or primarily expanded upon Tereh Shavar Peh, it's all the same Torah from Hashem Yisbarach. What about discussing sensitive topics well, it depends what it is. If it's arayos, keep the crowd small, uh, keep it clear and concise to avoid confusion. When it comes to masaberaches, you speak to a yachid, but not to more than a yachid. Keep it respectful and honorable. When it comes to masaberakava, those esoteric topics, you don't even uh, really teach it to a yachid unless this fellow is of high stature, he's a chacham, or maybe midaytoy, in which case will absorb the topics and concepts just uh, by way of a subtle hint that Remez, which uh, accords honor and, and, and special covered to this uh, heavenly, heavenly topic. All the best to you and much aslacha.